0: To the Healing Station with Dr. Davis. I'm your host, Dr. Davis, and as usual, I'm so excited about today's topic. We'll be talking about somatic therapy, and we have my girl Charisma in the building. And so I'm gonna have her go ahead and introduce herself. Hey, hello, everyone. My name is Charisma
1: Grant. Um, I'm a licensed psychotherapist and owner of Safe Point Counseling, um, based in Texas, but I'm also licensed in the state of Michigan. Um, So my practice um, focuses and specializes in helping people with, or specifically adults, with anxiety, depression, and trauma.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Very important (laughs) work, which, of course, I appreciate as a fellow therapist (laughs) there. And so I'm always interested, and I always like people to start with their journey into, you know, becoming a healer, if you will. And so I want to hear, like, why therapy? What got you here? What influenced you? Kind of hearing your story there. For sure, for sure. Um, Well, my path was not linear at all.
1: Um, So (laughs) if I were to go back to when I was a little girl, I actually wanted to be a lawyer. Whoa, okay. (laughs) So that's where I wanted to be when I was younger. And then as I got older, I thought I had interest in accounting and I wanted to be a forensic accountant. Um, So my undergrad degree is actually in business um, because I was planning to go that route. Um, But towards the end of my business degree or my undergrad, I realized that I actually didn't have an interest in that. um, And I started to have more of an interest in people the way they think why did not do the things that they do
0: mm-hmm. but at
1: that point I was too far along in the degree to start so was
0: <laughs> that's like, real oh, So I come too far to come this far exactly. <laughs> like I'm going have to finish this <laughs> ain't no going back exactly <laughs> that's hilarious exactly so um
1: after I finished undergrad I um was doing some work in my hometown and Mm -hmm. I was also going to therapy at the time. Um, But in that point, I was also like, I know I'm interested in, you know, working with people and all of that, but I wasn't sure how interested I was. So I decided to go abroad. So I lived abroad Mm -hmm. for a couple of years and and talking as a second language to children. Um, Mm -hmm. And while I was there, that solidified my interest in working with people um, and getting to learn more about them, how to help them. Um, And one of the reasons for that is I, my first, so I worked in China and South Korea. So in China, I had a specific class and I had this little boy that we had a hard time (laughs) when we started working, when I started teaching his class. And so my, he was like four or five years old. And Mm. so my assistant teacher um, who spoke Chinese, um, she started to give me a little backstory about his family dynamics and what was going on at home for him. Um, And I don't know what about that story. It started to shift how I understood him and how to work with him. Um, And we became like best buddies. He became like my little assistant. (laughs) That's so sweet. (laughs) And so at that point, I also realized like I had more of an interest in learning more about people and helping them versus teaching them something like or teach, just teaching them like a curriculum
0: or anything like
1: that. So um, on top of that, you know, I've always gotten feedback from my friends about how they experienced talking to me and Mm -hmm. being around me that also had me feeling like, huh, maybe I have just like this organic inkling or this organic way of being a therapist that I didn't even realize yeah. So at that point, while I was abroad, I applied to grad school, got in, got my degree, got licensed, and here
0: I am now. <laughs> that's amazing. I always like hearing people's origin story. Normally, it's not linear. People yeah. like to take detours yeah. and all these type of things. and So it's always Thank interesting you. what you thought you were going to be when you grew up okay. <laughs> based on what you actually became. So what an awesome story and some amazing it's experiences awesome. that you've had. Yeah. So, Thank you. Really cool. <laughs> so I know I look at you as a somatic therapy expert and so I definitely am excited to get into the topic of somatic therapy so before we get into that like what really drew you to wanting to get more certifications and just more training in somatic therapy in itself yeah good question so
1: a few years ago there was a personal experience that I was having in my life and there was a specific event where I noticed that when things got really tightened, my hand started to shake. Like I was like mm. nervous, kind of shaking. Um, and so as my hand started to shake, I was like, I suddenly had this a flood of memories from a very long time ago, like maybe over 20 years ago that wow. I had forgotten all of my life. I was <laughs> like, wow. what is that? Um, before this, my supervisor at the time, excuse me, she, um, she had just started getting into somatic work. So she told me a little bit about it, but like, and I, I you know, I was like, okay, that's valuable and meaningful things. But when that memory came up, when my hair started to shake, I was like, oh, I think there's more to this than what I thought. Mm. Um, so that is what piqued my interest for sure. Like my own personal experience of how the body actually reminded me of something that was very much suppressed and forgotten for decades.
0: Man, I love that. I feel like a lot of times I don't necessarily think that you have to go through exactly what a client goes through or somebody to walk them through it. But a lot of times the work that we get passionate about is something that we've walked through either personally or been very close to. And so just hearing that, I'm like, okay, that's close to the heart. So it makes sense where that passion comes from. So wanting I know. I know what that means. I know you know what that means, but our listeners Mm -hmm. might not. So what is somatic therapy? Like this term that's been thrown around somatic healing Mm -hmm. and all of this. Like how would you define um, somatic therapy and healing?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So I look at somatic therapy, like that term as an umbrella term for body-based or body-oriented approaches and treatment, Mm -hmm. right? And so um, my training is specifically in somatic experiencing. So that's like a category underneath somatic therapy mm-hmm. um, and so um, what I look at is how the full system of the body influences the brain right? and so somatic experiencing in particular it supports emotion regulation mm-hmm. it supports crisis stabilization it supports helping people live in the here and now versus living in flashback and or memories um, mm-hmm. because they actually don't even realize they're doing it although they are living it Um, And it also helps renegotiate trauma. And so when I say renegotiate trauma, what I mean is it gives a different or less traumatic ending to a traumatic event. Mm. Um, If I were to explain that even more, I would basically wrap that up as um, your autonomic nervous system gets Mm -hmm. an opportunity and chance to do what it needed to do instead of being inhibited. So it gets to do what it needed to do versus um,
0: what it couldn't do in order in to moment, survive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so good. And so could you give like a practical example um, when it comes to rewriting that story? Like what does that, what has that looked like with the client before? Or what does that look yeah. like? Yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, so an example is,
1: say for example, someone needed an opportunity like to push someone or something away or they needed mm-hmm. to say stop. Right. But their their survival responses didn't allow them to do that. Right. So in a session, we may look at the the hands and the body. They're they're always speaking. We just don't necessarily notice them or we ignore them. We override them. We don't listen to them. So if I'm noticing something in the body as someone is telling the story and I see something with the hands come up or, for example, I might ask them to pause. And what if we just stay there for a moment with these hands and notice what these hands want to do? Right. And so if these hands want to move, right, we give opportunity for them to slowly push forward. Right. Because if the action was I needed to push and I couldn't, we're now giving an opportunity to push now. Right. So it can complete. So your nervous system doesn't get stuck in. I can't move. I can't push anymore. I actually Mm -hmm. can complete this. It's okay now that thing has passed. Mm -hmm. I can now be here in the present where i do have more options than i did in the past does that make
0: sense that makes a lot of sense and i love the way that you said that because i'm like oh that's such powerful work so i'm like let's Mm -hmm. get a practical example what does that look like (laughs) (laughs) so that's awesome and as you talk about um the Uh, the nervous system in that way and how someone may not have been able to because of that survival response be able to Mm -hmm. complete whatever action they desire in hindsight or even what they would have wanted to do in that moment Uh, it makes me think of that fight or flight response so Mm -hmm. I wanted to hear more about that fight flight freeze (laughs) fawn response and that survival if you could talk more about that
1: absolutely absolutely um to talk about that, would it be okay if I also talk a little bit more about the autonomic nervous system as well? Absolutely, (laughs) please. So I'm going to abbreviate that. When I say ANS, I am talking about the autonomic nervous system. Okay. So the ANS is basically, it regulates basic functions in the body, right? Mm -hmm. So it's automatic. We don't control it, right? It controls the automatic functions of our body that help us survive. Mm -hmm. So, what I mean by that, it's the breathing. Like, you know, we don't, it's a process that we don't think about. We just breathe. It's the heart rate. We don't think about our heart beating. It just beats. It's digestion and, you know, things like that, those involuntary processes. So, the autonomic nervous system helps and controls those things, right? So, the autonomic autonomic nervous system has two branches as well (laughs) Um, there's the parasympathetic branch and the sympathetic branch. Okay, so the parasympathetic branch is basically like putting a break on the nervous system. It helps us rest, it helps us unwind, it helps us reorganize after some sort of activation or some sort of stress or threat, right? And it does that by slowing and deepening our breath, for example. It does that by aiding us in digestion. Um, it, it, It helps by, you know, lowering our heart rate and things Mm -hmm. like that. So that's your parasympathetic branch. And then you have your sympathetic branch. That branch is more like the gas pedal of the nervous system. So it's getting the whole body ready for some kind of action or some type of way to uh, survive something that's threatening or dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can actually see the um, sympathetic branch active when you're excited, when you're terrified, Um, when you're engaged in physical activity, Mm -hmm. right? Because, and how that looks is your heart is racing faster. Um, uh, Blood shifts from your digestive system to your muscles so you can move faster. Your eyes might dilate, right? To improve your vision, your line of sight. It may also help with focusing your eyes, like so for that hypervigilance that's getting ready, your muscles might tension because tense up because they're all trying to prepare you to fight, flight, or even um, do something fun and exciting, exercise, you know, anything mm-hmm. like that, right? Yeah. So they, and essentially the parasympathetic branch and the sympathetic branch, they do the opposite things,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all right? So how this is related to your fight, flight, freeze, fawn, um, and even tonic immobility is when there is threat or there is danger, you can move to your, your um, sympathetic branch. All right. So that branch is more of the fight or flight. Like right? that's your body getting ready either to like attack somebody, mm-hmm. comfort them, angry outbursts, whatever that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> it can look like your flight. So you're getting ready to flee. You're going to walk mm-hmm. away. You're going to run away. You're going to get out of here.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Um, even freeze. While it's, that one is more of your limbic system, like that emotion center of your brain, screaming, don't move or you'll die, mm. right? So it's like there's this pause, but internally there's still a hypervigilant. Your heart still can be racing. You still can, a lot of activity can be happening go, although man, your yeah. body is still, right? Um, so then we have fawn on the other hand. And so that is more of a, like a people pleasing, like Mm -hmm. to please and appease, to avoid conflict. And then flop or uh, tonic immobility, that is literally like your limbs and your muscles go limp. Some people Mm -hmm. actually faint, can't move. Um, Or they may pretend that way because the nervous system believes it is safer to do this. My predator, the perpetrator will leave me alone if they think I'm dead or if I'm Basically, done yeah. Then if I move right now, right? It also conserves energy. So when the predator does leave or the um, perpetrator does leave, you can get out of there as soon as possible, right? And so what can happen when you have traumatic events, your autonomic nervous system can get stuck in one of these survival responses,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And so when you get stuck there, you start living your life in a way that doesn't match with present day events. So you're either fighting people when actually you don't need to fight them anymore. Yeah. Or you're running away from people when you don't need to run away from them anymore. Or certain people that you don't need to run away from. yeah, right. You're freezing when you don't need to, et cetera. Right? So then you're also living in flashback in that memory because you're operating mm-hmm. from a time that is not here and now. Right. And so there is mental health and emotional implications of that as well as physical and health implications of that. Mm-hmm. When your nervous system is stuck in a place that it wasn't meant to be stuck in, because, let me say this too, a healthy nervous system will ebb and flow. It will activate Absolutely. and stimulate when there is danger because that's mm-hmm. how it was created. That's what it was created to do. That's its job. Mm-hmm. But then it also, a healthy one will know when that has uh, that dangerous situation has passed, and then it will deactivate. And so that stimulation will go down, and it'll be like, oh, okay, I can rest, right? So that's that sympathetic, parasympathetic branch thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, however, an unhealthy nervous system or a stuck nervous system doesn't realize the, the scary thing or the terrifying thing has passed. So you get stuck and sympathetic, right? So that fight or flight. Or you get stuck in more of that fawn or um, flap, you know, the the tonic immobility, Mm -hmm. right? And so your nervous system is working really hard in both of those states to help you have a sense of safety. Yeah. So when that happens, there are physical implications like headaches, digestive issues, sleep issues, um blood pressure high blood pressure etc and then mental health wise and emotionally you can see anxiety depression relationship issues um difficulty getting through daily tasks and things like that right and so when you get stuck in these things there are long-term health and mental health implications that aren't good for us anyway So that is one of the reason that working with the body to complete these incomplete strategies helps to reset the nervous system so it can get back to a more um, organic, healthy um, rhythm and flow of operating. It knows when it needs to activate and it can tell when it doesn't. And then it
0: just goes on and on and so forth. No, that's so good. And that's not something that a lot of people always think about. Where it's like you, and this is something that comes up a lot when I'm working with clients. It's like they really think that's their personality. Like Mm. they really feel like the trauma response is like, I'm just like that. Like I just, and they just want to be fighting and all. And it's like, no. Ooh, your mm-hmm. nervous system is stuck your ans is stuck that's what's happening um exactly. so let's go find that point where it got stuck and help it to get unstuck so that it's exactly. ebbing and flowing, as you said um mm-hmm. so i love that and so it makes me wonder of course i'm curious about intervention and intervention yeah. that you do right. anything that you think in particular that you're like this is my favorite or whatever however you want to yeah. share but yeah. around uh because the fawn response is probably one of my <laughs> favorite ones in the sense that, you know, the yes. people please. Because a lot of people don't think of it as a trauma response. Yeah. So when yeah. you're working with a client that has that fawn response, what mm-hmm. does that somatic therapy look like with them? What interventions have you done or would you even like recommend and stuff like that around that? Sure. Um,
1: so one is I always slow down regardless of what the where it's stuck. I slow down. Um, mm-hmm. Slowing down, because oftentimes when we have traumatic events, it's because something was too much, too much, too fast, too soon, and we want to counter that to interrupt mm-hmm. the pattern of getting stuck. Right. Another piece of slowing down is that it allows for the sensations that are often ignored or overridden to become be brought to your awareness. It allows for the thoughts. It allows for the feelings. It allows for how your body was actually organizing to complete something. It allows time and space for us to start to see how it's organizing. Mm -hmm. So it can complete in a way that is fitting and that it wanted to and needed to. Right? So for someone who is more of an afan, sometimes that can look, someone like that can look more along the freeze.
0: um. Mm
1: Like, and they're in a freeze response. So for someone like that, I actually would do something really small and minute, but it's actually really big for the nervous system, right? So that could be something as simple as just moving your eyes. Can you move your eyes to the right, as far to the right as possible, right? And as they do that, I'm also going to, and if they can stick with me and be present with me, as they do that, I'm also going to be asking, well, like, what happens to your heart rate as you do that? What happens to your breathing? Does it get more shallow? Do you notice it gets deeper? Do you mm. notice something else in your body starting to move? right? Um, because the slow slowing down for that allows one the person to know that I am actually safe right now. It's okay. it's all mm-hmm. right. It yeah. gives them a chance to orient to what's going on and in or around them, right? And then it allows again the nervous system, Like, if they couldn't look to the right or to the left at the time of the event, it allows the nervous system to actually do that now, Mm -hmm. right? And so now your breathing might shift to either something that's a little bit more regulated, or it might get more intense first. So we track the nervous system, too, before we move forward, or it might start to regulate, and then they might just notice more mobility at that point. Like, I can do a little something else. I can... My whole head, not just my whole head. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> they become a little bit more aware. They might even notice something in the room that they has been here the whole time, but they just not see it. Well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, that's an indication that they're a little bit more here and now. Um, so that is an example of something that I would do with someone that's a little bit more fawn, um, mm-hmm. as well as see if there are any thoughts, or beliefs, or feelings that come up as their eyes are in this one direction or another. That's right. Really um, because usually when we're in one of these branches of our nervous system, there is a whole story that's going on, right? Mm-hmm. There's a belief about ourselves, about people around us. Mm-hmm. There are feelings like I'm terrified and I can't say I'm terrified, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. Yeah. Um, and so we get to now name those things, right? And give them their appropriate place, let them complete, and then differentiate between, hey, but here and now, in 2024, this isn't that. Right? This is something else. I'm an adult now. I was a kid then. I actually can move. I actually, you know what I mean? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and some it's, it's, it's very interesting to see how organically even people's beliefs about themselves, like, they'll just say things that reflect truth or more truth than they did when they were stuck in their freeze, or response. So it's not even like I have to tell them like, oh, no, blah, blah, blah. They just, it just comes out. And I'm like, yes, you got it. Look. There you go. <laughs> yes. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, so that can be an
1: example of um, working with
0: Fawn. No, that's really good. Thank you. I wanted to get a practical and I'm like, okay, let me pick one of these (laughs) and go and give an example there. Uh, And so... Of course, being that this is the healing station, I always have mm-hmm. to ask, how are we incorporating faith with this? And especially around somatic therapy. I know there are mm-hmm. several versions and some people can be turned off, honestly, by somatic therapy because of mm-hmm. a lot of somatic therapists will add on like new age practices and other yeah. things that are not um, Christian-based or uh, yeah. faith-based in that way. And so I want to... I know you are a Christian and you are a believer. And so as you do this work, I know you bring your faith into all that you do. And so I'm wondering, Mm -hmm. as doing this work in somatic therapy, how have you been able to bring those two together and what does that look like in your work? Yeah, for sure. Um, So one thing for me is that
1: I think it's important, like I, as much as i possibly can i like to start my session before i even jump on the call or meet with a person like in prayer just asking the lord to just have his way in the mm-hmm. session um and do what i can't do which is everything so. basically <laughs> <laughs> yes i asked him to help me see what i can't see with my natural eyes um and that he disguised and controls the session. Uh Um, The other piece is, you know, I do consider, you know, the work as a therapist as, um, there's spiritual work in there, right? Because if we look at ourselves as we're a spirit, we have a soul and we live in a body, right? Absolutely. If we are a spirit, then we're interacting with another spirit every time we talk to someone, every time Mm -hmm. we see someone. Like, Like, so there's also the spiritual component to being a therapist. And um, so... I need the Lord to direct me Mm -hmm. (laughs) in these um, interactions. The other piece is recognizing that I personally believe that the Lord created our autonomic nervous system.
0: Absolutely. He created
1: it um, with mechanisms to help us survive scary, terrifying, dangerous situations. Um, But I don't think he made it for us to stay there, right? He made it for us to, for those mechanisms to work when we need them and then for them to like, relax when we don't need them anymore when the situation okay. has passed and so um a part of the work that i do is considering like how does like if the lord came that we may have life and have it more abundantly but if we're stuck we're not living abundantly how do we that's move true. from that to you know one place to another right so that's another way that i can like, incorporate faith into the work that i do um, I also think about how, like, if God made our whole bodies, he wants us to be whole, right? He, It's like your body has information. It tells a story. Yes, our cognitive and verbal stories have so much value and so much information, and so do our bodies. But we tend to override and ignore them. But I think when you get an opportunity to hear what your body is saying, it also gives an opportunity for you to give whatever is coming up to the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Because... It's a, it's a chance to maybe see something that you naturally would just ignore because we don't necessarily learn to listen to what our body has to say. But if we ignore it, it's kind of like closing the door to something that God may want to open, right? For him to heal us um, and to do whatever work he sees fit in that case. Um, and I'm trying to think, is there anything else? or any other ways that I incorporate faith. Um, I would say, like, with a client, like, you know, for my clients who are believers, we use God, the source, as a resource. In the session. Session, right? And so sometimes when someone has had a traumatic event and they were all alone and they needed someone or something and there was no one there, right, we bring the Lord into the session, right? Like, what does he have to say to you about this? How does this, is there... Is there something he has to say? Is there some form of affection he wants to give you? Do you need a hug? What if you get what if you imagine him hugging you right now? What happens inside in that case, right? Mm-hmm. So also using our source as a resource to help people heal as well is another way that I incorporate faith into the work that I do. Um
0: and I don't know, I think that kind of sums up. No, that's really yeah, good. That. Even as you that's were talking true. about the wholeness part cuz I when I think about healing and God's desire and will for all of us to be healed, trauma mm-hmm. and a lot of these experiences, they leave the soul compartmentalized or shattered yeah. in ways. Okay. And so when you were talking about that, I was like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I and when we approach, we know that the trauma causes us to be fragmented and Mm -hmm. as those who are doing helping with the process of healing Mm -hmm. we have to see it as like helping the person become whole and also look at the whole person so that's why it's important for us to do the mind body and the spirit work because like you said some people may not agree but we are spiritual beings nonetheless Um, and this spirit does continue even when our body does Mm -hmm. is to returns to the dust so that yeah. uh i love that you said that and so as you were thinking i was like that is that's a requirement and the healing is, is going through to become whole basically and to take those shattered pieces and bring it back into whole." so exactly. i appreciate exactly. you for saying that Yeah, for sure. For sure. so <laughs> i have loved like just how you've been able to break down the the ANS um and also just like the responses and all of the all of that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping as the listeners listen, they're like, oh, I want to learn more. Um and of course could always hit you up if they're looking for some somatic therapy. So any last minute tips or advice or just words of wisdom, whatever it is that you want to share with people around this, um, and leave them with before we wrap up today. Yeah, for sure. Um
1: one of the biggest things is listen to your body. Um, and mm-hmm. what I mean by that, I'm going to clarify what I mean by that. Because sometimes our body can be impulsive. And so that doesn't necessarily mean just do whatever your body says do.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> real. We, okay. Hold on. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Somebody some do not take that too literal. We might have problem. We might have a problem. <laughs> have a problem. <laughs> yes. So what I
1: mean by listen is learning to hear the story of your nervous system. You might not act on the impulse. You might not do everything that it says to do, but you at least know that, hey, it's trying to get my attention and there's some information here for me that Mm -hmm. could be helpful. This could be helpful in my healing. This could be helpful in my day-to-day interactions with my family or friends. You know, Um, This could be helpful because the Lord might be revealing something to me about myself that he wants to work in and through and about. So, like, learning to hear that just your verbal and your thoughts are all great, and so is your body's story, Mm -hmm. right? So not just overriding it um, when, you know, your heart is racing, but you're like, no, I'm fine, but you're freaking out inside. Like, (laughs) what if you were to be like, well, actually, my body is saying that I'm a little bit scared right now, Mm -hmm. right? Because then that could move you to reaching out to someone that may be supportive. It could move you to some sort of self-regulation technique. It could move you to the Lord, right, for him to now help you with your fear, right? Mm. And so then you're actually addressing the underlying issue and not ignoring it and running past it.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: then the same things will keep coming up and up again. So I would say definitely learn just to hear the nervous system, right? Your body is not trying to hurt you. (laughs) <laughs> it was it was created to help you um absolutely. it's a part of you right that's a part of what when we keep whole it has value um and so treat it that way
0: <laughs> absolutely i love that um, yeah. and i really feel like we can learn a lot from slowing down and right. listening to our body in that way and just absolutely. that's beautiful so absolutely. thank you so much for yes. sharing with us today i absolutely. i just love it um <laughs> And (laughs) so I'm hoping that you all are that are listening first of all thank you as always and I'm hoping that today's conversation really helps to just spark more interest in on your healing journey and just really helping you through and of course I will be see you all next week for another episode I love you as always let's continue to heal together bye